How many have ever seen any of those like uh, TV interviews of the men on the street? You know, it's where uh, random people are kind of selected and picked out and, and they're kind of uh, asked a number of questions about current events, things that are uh, happening, things that are important to, to all of us around us, right? Uh, they're both sometimes very funny and sometimes very sad or tragic because it kind of revealed that there are a lot of people out there who are absolutely clueless when it comes to understanding what's going on all around them. I mean, this is the information age, right? But sometimes when you hear their responses, it's like, is this the disinformation age, you know? Uh, I'll give you an example. I, I was listening a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they were doing the man on the street about Ebola. And uh, just, this is people in Manhattan. They, they just stop them and say, and they ask questions like, so what do you think about Ebola? And the response from a couple of people was this blank look on their face. Like, what? What? Iwa? You know? I'm talking English, Ebola. What do you know about Ebola? And, and, and people just had these very strange responses. I mean, like, it's in the news just about every single day. It's, it's such a big issue, right? And uh, people are just, like, clueless as to, as to what's going on in their city and all around them, right? Uh, one of the other questions was, like, after some people, you know, finally realized, oh, yeah, it's a disease that, 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 that is deadly, you know? Uh, uh, the question is asked, like, well, where does Ebola come from? Europe? Uh, South America? No, no, no. R wrong continent. Uh, two wrong continents. It doesn't come from there. Uh, uh, how do people get Ebola? I heard this response. Absolutely true. Dirty water? You know? So, so it's, like, it's like, really, really? I mean, you guys are just absolutely clueless. I, I think J Joe Lucci sent me a, an email. It was, it, was, it was the best response to the attitude of the man on the street who, who was asked the question, what do you think about it? What, what is Ebola? And, and the response in this joke was, was uh, Ebola is an Italian who speaks with broken English. He bowls on Wednesday nights, and he's an Ebola. <laughs> you know? Uh, no, 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 that's not it, you know? But listen, I understand. I, I get why so many people are unplugged and, and, and unconnected because a lot of the news that's going around these days are scary. You know, it's, 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 it's a difficult, it's a dangerous world in which we find ourselves. And so I, I understand that. But listen, sticking your head in the sand, you know, does it, does it make life less dangerous? It only makes you more vulnerable, not, not to know. It's like ignorance is not bliss, you know. Uh, the Bible says people perish for a lack of knowledge. I mean, not knowing stuff can really hurt you and harm you, and so, and so it's important to know. But being clueless is not exclusive to, you know, 2014. Uh, back in, in, in my 60s, back in the 60s, in my generation, what we called my generation, uh, when I was a young man, right back in the 60s, the, the philosophy, the attitude of, of the hippie culture at that time was tune in, turn on, and drop out. Ever, ever hear that expression? Tune in, that, that is, get together, party, you know, uh, 
turn on, which means get high, and then but drop out of society. You know, and, and people were into all kinds of uh, communal, communal living in, in those days and free love. And, and, and really, it didn't do very well for our generation. You know, there, there is no real way of being able to drop out of the world in which we live in because of danger. I mean, it's all around us. You run from it and it will follow you. So being clueless and dropping out is not an answer. It only makes you more vulnerable. Uh, I, I shared with my community group a few weeks ago that, that there was a survey, and this is true, there was a survey that, that kind of uh, was trying to gauge the attitude of, of our culture right now, and they asked the question, you know, how do you think things are going? And one of the responses was 58%, 58% of the people that were polled believe that our culture and our nation is going, not my words, their, their words, Going to hell in a handbasket. Anybody hear that? I mean, what an expression, going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you need a big handbasket, you know, but, but you don't want to go to hell. And, and, and let me tell you, you, you don't want to have that direction in your, in your mind frame or in your attitude. But there is an underground, uh, or I should say an undercurrent of, of fear and anxiety that's taking place in society, and it's a negative attitude. I mean, let, let, me, let me just mention some of the things. Ebola, right? ISIS. ISIS is advertising that, that a random terrorist attack is coming to a city near you, and so you better, you better watch out, right? Uh, there's uh, home invasions, school shootings, you know? Just, just, just to mention just a couple of things that are going on in our culture and in our society right now. And somebody's thinking right now, man, I'm just so glad I came to church today. I just feel so great, right? Hang in there. It may get worse before it gets better, right? But, 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 but listen, listen. Uh, European nations. There's at least six European nations, Italy, Spain, uh, uh, Greece, uh, and a number of others that are on the verge of, of financial collapse. And if those nations collapse, it, it, it could become like a domino effect and affecting the, the nations around the world. And, and that's not even to mention our own critical indebtedness of $18 trillion, which are numbers that are beyond our ability to, to even calculate. So I'm, I'm painting a really kind of dire picture here, but, but this is... This is the way that things are. Doomsday scenarios are, are more popular in, in, in this time and age than, than ever before. People are talking about how to survive an, an uh, apocalyptic event. You know, people talk about pandemics, not as a, as a possibility, but at more like a probability of what is going to take place in the near uh, future. Uh, but again, th- th- this is, this is not, nothing new. Back in the... 70s, when you came out of the turbulent 60s, uh, back in the 70s, there was a popular movie, and it kind, of, it kind of answered the felt need of fear and anxiety that had been built up in, in, in the culture. And uh, it was a, it was a, a film that uh, had as its uh, uh, theme 
dropping out of society because of the violence, because of the drugs, because of, because of life being so difficult in, in the culture. And it was called The Wilderness Family. How many of you ever remember that movie, The Wilderness Family? All right, now, 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 what they did was they, 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 they went up, you know, they, they left this world, right? They, they, they went up to like uh, Washington State or the Alaskan Territory, and they were going to live off of the land, you know? And, and, and really what they simply did was they traded one set of dangers for a different set of dangers. In fact, in fact if I could use the analogy, they kind of were jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire because that's when everything began to unravel. And, and here's the point of what I'm saying is that, that it, seems like, it seems like the world is unraveling. It seems like the world is out of control, that... I, I don't know what is worse, the, the corruption that, that is all over uh, society in, in every sphere of, of government and, and in every institution, or, or is it the incompetence? I don't know which is worse, incompetence or, or corruption, but, but it's all over the place, right? And so it seems to, to me, it seems to us, to reasonable people, that, that our world is, is out of control and it's falling apart. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this. The voice of personification of peace on the eve or on the verge of the greatest storm he would ever face in his life, the Son of God, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He got his, his, his boys together, and this is what he said to them. Just hours before he was thrust into the greatest storm of his life, he said this. He said, guys... In this world, you will have trouble. You will have difficulties. You will have tribulation. But, and there's a great but there, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Jesus, speaking faith, before he entered the storm of his life, said it's going to be okay. And you know, we know the end result. We know that there is going to be a world in which there's, there's no more sin, there's no more wars, there's no more violence, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, for the former things will pass away. But you say to me, pass away, wait, wait. The, the world that you're describing is the world that we're living in now. What about now? How do, we, how do we survive now Ebola? How do we survive ISIS? How do we survive a new crisis that seems to arise every single week? How can we be secure in the midst of all that's going on. And let me just say this, that if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, we are so thrilled that you are here because what we want to do is we want to point you to the one who has everything under control. We sang about it a little while ago. He holds the universe. You know, I was thinking that, 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 that that's a new... Uh, it's a new twist on an, an old child's song. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he really does. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And, and listen, our, our security is not in bunkers. And by the way, that, that's a real big business these days. People who are survivalists are building these underground bunkers and and, and if you do a Google search on it this afternoon, you'll find almost 2 million websites and hits devoted to people who want to buy or invest in or create their own bunkers, you know? But our, listen, our security is not in a bunker. Our security is in a person. And that person 
holds all things together because he made all things by him and for him. They exist and have their being. I tell you what, this is the confidence that you and I need to have because Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, 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 and he is the rock of ages. You know, in the midst of a world that's in flux, in the midst of a world that's unraveling, in the, in the midst of a world that's out of control, the only person, the only one who is absolutely without change and is a rock is Jesus Christ. And though the world may be falling apart and insecure, and unraveling at the seams. You know, when I was, when I was a kid, uh, we, we played softball in Brooklyn. By the way, there's no grass in Brooklyn. If anybody tells you there's grass in, in Brooklyn, it's the only grass that is in Brooklyn is the ones that people smoke. <laughs> it's true. The gra- there was no grass. So when you played softball in Brooklyn, let me tell you, 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 play, you played on a blacktop or on concrete, you know, you haven't lived until you begin to slide into second base on concrete or, or, or let me tell you, you know. And, and we, we played, how many of you remember, you guys remember that the softball, unlike the softballs of today, you can't kill those softballs today. But the softballs back in the day, they were called clinchers. Remember that? Frank, you remember the clincher? You would play with that ball until, until the, the wrapping, the leather wrapping was literally knocked off the ball. And then you still played with it because that's the only ball you had until it was just a, a, a ball of string. Well, you know what? In a lot of ways, that's what I'm saying today to a lot of people. It feels like that, that this world is unraveling. It's coming apart at the seams. You know, life, life can change in, in, in a moment. It could change in an hour, in an instant. And, you know, our, our security and our peace can, can, can be taken away like that if we allow it to happen. You know, not only are we talking about uh, apocalyptic events, but, but let me tell you something. Uh, An unexpected diagnosis can send shockwaves to a family and change the, the entire atmosphere of a family in an instant. The loss of a, of a loved one, the, the, the loss of a job. And in fact, you, you could probably come up with a list of, of dozens and dozens of things that can quickly change the very composition of your life. Your future can be altered in an instant. So why, why am I bringing all this up? The, the reason is because I want to talk to you this morning about the art of being still. The ability to, to be unmovable, even when the world is around you is unraveling, even when everything seems to be out of control and falling apart, the art of being still is that stillness and that quietness and that confidence that's translated into divine strength and that strength that comes to us from the living God who is the rock of ages. This is not inactivity. This, this is not idleness. This is love at rest. And it needs, and that word art is so important because it needs to be cultivated, just like an artist who basically has, you know, everybody who is artistic has a gift, right? I mean, it comes as a talent that God gives. But, but then the artist uh, 
It depends upon the artist then to develop and to cultivate and to hone and to, and to perfect that craft of that gift inside. And so the artist begins to discover and to learn about colors and learn about textures and materials so that he can hone and fine-tune his craft. So we as believers, followers of Christ, we've been given this incredible, perfect peace that passes understanding, but we've got to exercise. We, we, we've got to hone and cultivate the, the gift of this perfect peace through the exercise of faith. And this is so important, that ability to be able to rest in the Lord, to be still when everything around you is falling apart. That is an art and that is a craft that I want to just kind of encourage you to be thinking about this morning, to be, to be fixing your heart upon that, that, God, I need to develop the ability to be still and know that you are God. Some years ago, uh, a lot of years ago, I, I used to actually you know, lead worship here uh, at the church. And, and one of the uh, seasons uh, was uh, I was writing songs and we did some of the songs that, that I wrote. It wasn't a great you know, songwriter, but, but there was one song that I'll never forget, even though I haven't sung it in like over 25 years, maybe more, is, is a song that was birthed out of tremendous stress and distress in my life. When I felt, it felt like to me, my world was unraveling. And I haven't sung that song in years, but I, I, remember, I remember the verses. And one of the verses went like this, victory, victory will be mine. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, victory, victory will be mine. What was I saying? It was not only a release of my faith that I was going to experience victory, but the greater, the greater part of that verse was the, the understanding that I needed to be still that I needed to hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, which means I, I, I need to be the creature and God needs to be the creator. God needs to be my God. And, and, and what that means and what that looks like is, is simply this. Allow God to do what only God can do in your life. Don't hinder God. Don't, don't, don't grieve uh, the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't restrict God, by unbelief or by, or by allowing fear or anxiety to overrule your heart, let God do what only God can do in your life. This is what Psalm 46 is all about, and that's what I want to look at this morning. To be still and to let God be God is one of the greatest lessons that you could uncover in your life. So we want to look at Psalm 46 this morning. Now let me just give you a little bit of the background. Psalm 46, it is believed to have been written by King Hezekiah. And there's so much evidence in the psalm, and I don't have the time to develop that, but I, I do believe that, that Isaiah the king wrote Psalm 46, and it was during a time when the Assyrian army, 185,000 plus, more, more than that, surrounded the city of Jerusalem, King Zennacherib, this tyrant, vicious, who had toppled nation after nation after nation in the Middle East, right? Uh, demanded the unconditional surrender of Hezekiah and, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they were, they were on the brink of besieging the city and the city was about to fall unless God would intervene and God would rescue 
his people. And God was about to do that. So, so Psalm 46 is, is the discovery of what Hezekiah experienced in this, in this ordeal or this trial. Now, now, one of the great things is that you can read the historical event of what took place either in the book of Kings or in the book of Chronicles. But when you look at the book of Psalms, it's almost kind of like peering into somebody's journal. It's almost like looking into somebody's heart and experiencing what they have emotionally gone through during that particular period. So it begins with this, Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge and our strength, ever-present. He's always near to be our help. Sometimes the Psalms, and, and this is one of the examples of them, sometimes, sometimes the, the psalmist would begin at the beginning and there would be a middle and then there would be a, a, a conclusion. But, but here the psalmist starts with a conclusion. He, he, he starts with the discovery of what this experience has, has, has brought him to the discovery that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble, that he, he will come to our rescue, that God is our refuge and he is our hiding place. Our security is not in our castle. Our security is not in, in mortar and bricks and walls and iron gates. Our security is in the person of God himself. Martin Luther was inspired by Psalm 46 they say, and as a result of that, he wrote one of the most popular hymns, which lasted for a couple of hundred years. It was called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Out of the revelation of what Hezekiah discovered about God being a fortress and God being a refuge, Luther wrote that great hymn. Charles Spurgeon said that Psalm 46 is a holy song of courage and a holy song of confidence. That if you can internalize the truth that is found here in this psalm, you will begin, listen, you will begin to have confidence even in the midst of a world that's falling apart. And so he says, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, conclusion, we will not be afraid. We will not be intimidated. You know what? Fear and courage is really a matter of choice. He says, we will. It is, it is the directing of our human will. We will not be afraid. We will not fear. It's a matter of choice. And when God is with you and God is on your side, it's, it's the only reasonable choice to make. Now, now l- listen to these next two verses or sentences because he uses extreme graphic language to describe what was going on emotionally within the heart of the king. Notice what, he's, what he says. He says, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the earth give way and the mountains, listen, the, the mountains are supposed to be the most stable and secure things on planet earth. But when they give way, who can possibly survive? When mountains are crumbling and falling into the oceans, Who can possibly survive? Let me tell you who can possibly survive. The people who know their God. They will be strong and they will do exploits. Notice notice what he's basically saying is this. 
when men are doing their worst and devils are doing their worst and even the earth itself is against us. God, however, is for us. Verse 3 says this, Though its oceans roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then there's that little word at the end of that sentence, Selah. What is Selah? In fact, it is appearing three times in this song. Remember, it's a song. And there are three stanzas at the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 7, at the end of verse 11, that word Selah appears. And and what it is, it it is, remember, people are going to sing this, they're going to perform this song like a worship team would perform a song. And it is a musical instruction. At that point in the song, they are to poise. They are to stop and take a breath. They are, in other words, to be still. The secret of our strength is the ability, the art of learning how to be still in God's presence. And in each of those verses, that word selah appears Because though outwardly the world may be falling apart, yet inwardly we can have a peace that passes understanding. When God is our help, even if our world is falling apart, we do not have to fear. One of the benefits that we have as followers of Christ, let me me say it this way. Uh, Because God is all-powerful and because God is all-loving, The truth about the benefit for us who know that we're loved of God, who understand that we are kept by the power of his love. Love casts out fear. Perfect love, mature love, the Bible says, cast out fear. In other words, there's no place where fear can root in the heart of a child that knows that they are loved by God. See, if if, if God were only powerful and not all loving, I'd have a problem. We would all have a problem. If God were all loving and not all powerful, I'd still have a problem. Because while he would be all loving, yet he wouldn't be all powerful to help. Or while he would be all powerful, yet his love wouldn't necessarily help me. But because he is both all powerful and all loving, we can have confidence. And therefore, we will not fear. We will not be afraid. I want you to notice, we're not exempt from trouble. We're not exempt from problems. We're not exempt from difficulties. Storms will come, but our God is in the midst of us. Now, getting back to Hezekiah, here's a man who's experiencing the world at its worst. The, the mountains are falling into the heart. And again, this is figuratively speaking, but he's saying, this is what it's like on the inside of me right now. I feel like my whole world is coming apart. This is... This is epic scary, all right? Some of you know, sometimes life is just scary, and sometimes life is epic scary. This is epic scary, okay? But you don't have to be afraid. Courage comes to us when we learn how to rest in the Lord. And the the maker of heaven and earth is my Savior who, who bids me to come and to discover that there is rest in him. Where is the rest? It's in him. He said, come to me. I'll give you rest. And in our coming to Christ, we have rest. Look at verse 4. And let me just read a couple of more verses. Verse 4 says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Each of these verses 
magnifies, exemplifies, or expounds upon the presence of the Lord. The Most High God dwells there. He's in the city. God is with her, within her. She will not fall. God will help her at daybreak. That, that, that phrase daybreak is so important, and I'll get back to that in a little while to show you what the historical significance was. Nations are in upward. Remember I said that, that Zennacherib was toppling nation after nation, kingdom after kingdom was, was falling before him. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. Now God is the one who lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. Again, the presence of God, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, rest. Take a deep breath. Be still. Be silent. Be quiet. Calm down. In the midst of your world that's falling apart, be still. What does that look like? Well, I want you to think back, maybe some of you when you were children, maybe, maybe some of you parents when your kids were small, you, you kind of did this. You, 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 your, your child would, would be afraid to go to sleep or, or maybe they woke up, they had a nightmare and, and uh, they, they, they didn't want to go to sleep again and, and, and they wanted to come and, and be in your bed. And, you know, one of the things that a parent could do at a moment like that, you know, it, it, it's one thing to speak comfort to a child, but it's something wholly other to sing comfort to a child. My my wife used to sing to to our kids, you're my sunshine, my only sunshine, you know, and and there was a few other songs that she would sing to the kids. And and, and what effect did that have? It It would quiet their soul. I mention that because That's what God does to us. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, the presence of God. And he will rejoice over you with what? With singing. And he will quiet your soul. One of the ways that God, as a parent, quiets our soul is to to embrace us in in this only way, in a spiritual way in which a parent could quiet the, the anxious, fearful, fretful heart of a child. And God wants to do that for you this morning. If you're going through something right now and it feels like my world is unraveling, your world is unraveling, I, w- I want you to know that, that God is the same, that Jesus is the rock, it, and he rejoices over us with songs. And he quiets us with his love. In the very worst of times, the thing that we need the most is to absolutely pause, take a breath, be still, be quiet, and rest in his love. Again, I say, this is not inactivity. This is, this is not being idle. This is love at rest. When you come to the place in your spiritual walk with God that you know that you know that it doesn't matter what things look like outwardly. I know, I know that I know that I am loved of God and he is profoundly for me, not against me. So as I, as I kind of begin to wrap up this message, let me tell you why it's so important. In verse 10, here's the, here's, here's the difference. Up until this point, Hezekiah is the one who's speaking. But in verse 10, we have God speaking. 
we have God revealing his word. Notice that the, the, the phrase, if you'll put that up, verse 10, it's in quotes. It should be in quotes. It's in quotes in my notes. Anyway, be still, God says. This is God speaking. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know. One of the most important knowledges, one of the most important things that we need to know is the intimate knowledge of God. It should be our greatest ambition to know him. Paul said, as as much as Paul knew, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Let me tell you something. This is not the first time God's ever said those words, be still. When the children of Israel found themselves between a rock and a hard place, when the, when the sea of, of the Red Sea was before them and the Egyptian army was closing in behind them to kill every last man, woman, and child, and they found themselves in, in this dire situation, what was God's strategy? What was God's plan to rescue his people? Notice what the scripture says in Exodus 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. There it is again. Don't give room for fear. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. In other words, let God do what only God can do. Be still. You be quiet. I mean, every single one of us can do that. We can, we can pause. We can take a breath. We can stop. The Egyptians, he says, you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And you all know what happened at the Red Sea. As God parted the Red Sea, as God did what only God can do. And they walked across on dry ground. And and they just let God be God. And when you let God be God, the impossible is made possible. And that word I believe this morning, this word I believe today is is for many of us that are here today. And you may be going through something horrible right now. I don't know. But the word of the Lord is, is cultivate the art of being still. Let that peace, victory will be yours. If you will hold your peace, the Lord will fight your battle. And by the way, the historical uh, truth of what happened. Remember, I, I mentioned there was a phrase in, in the verses that we read about in the break of day in the early morning. Well, in the early morning, g- g- what God did was during the night, he dispatched just one single angel. That's all that was necessary. Not myriads, not legions, of just one angel. And when, they, when their survivors woke up in the morning, there was 185,000 corpses. And Zennacherib, with his tail between his legs, went back to Nineveh never again to be heard of because God rescued his people because they learned the art of being still and letting God do what only God can do. Now, I want to just say this about Jesus because I I, I love the way Jesus himself modeled the art of being still. When Jesus was arrested, he didn't say a single word. When Jesus was brought before Herod, Herod desired, uh, he, he had hoped to see some miracle. And, and, and the Bible says that he answered that fox not one single word. When Jesus hung on the cross and when they tormented him and, and taunted him, 
And they said, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. You trusted in God. Now, now let God rescue you if he wants you. And he answered them not one single word, fulfilling what a prophecy of 750 years before Isaiah said, like a lamb led to the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. As a sheep that was quiet before its shearers, so he was silent. And because Jesus was silent, because he, he cultivated that art of being still for us, and in that process, he endured the wrath of God for us, crucified for us. And as a result of him bearing the punishment that we deserve, that, that place of being still to the point of death, even the death of the cross, that's the reason why we have salvation. The very worst thing that ever happened in human history, by, by wicked men whose, whose hands crucified the Lord of glory became the very best thing that ever happened in human history, the redemption of the human race. My bottom line this morning is simply this, that the art of being still is profoundly powerful demonstration of trust. That, that's what it's all about. God wants you to trust him. He wants you. There is nothing that glorifies the Lord more than when his children explicitly and completely put their trust in him because their confidence is birthed out of their knowledge that they are loved by God. And that love expels fear. And there's no room, there's no, there's no root for fear to dwell in our hearts, even in the midst of a world that may be falling apart. Here's my simple advice to you this morning. Be still and know that he's God. Let God do for you in your life what only God can do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the grace of God and I thank you, Father, for the kindness that you have toward us, O oh God, Lord, and even just, just in giving this word this morning to encourage our hearts to, to build up our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as, and as you, Father, today are breaking through into our spirit with strength and with grace, like a river, there is an ever supply of grace to make us sufficient for every circumstance and in every situation. So Father, I thank you this morning that we fix our eyes on our help and our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our hope is not in bunkers, it's not in castles, it's not in gates of iron, but our hope, our strength, our delight, all of our desire, it's in you, Lord. Amen.